And welcome back to the holiday episode of the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Listen, I got a little something to do first. Uh, And for the first time in a long time, I didn't forget. (laughs) Usually I forget these things. Right now, coming up, we have a very special interview with the the creator of Monk, Andy Berkman. And the star of Monk himself, Tony Shalhoub. If you don't know, there's a Monk movie that came out. And it is called uh, uh, Mr. Lung's, Mr. Monk's Last Case. Uh, a Monk movie. I believe that's what it's called. <laughs> Had a very fun time. Yes, that's what it's called. Mr. Monk's Last Case. A Monk movie. Had a very fun time talking to uh, Tony Shalhoub. Andy Berkman. Uh, Breckman, excuse me. I've been saying Andy Berkman because it sounds like Barry Berkman from Barry on HBO. Anyway, I had a nice time talking to him. It was short, but you know, that's what happens with these junket things. We talked about the movie. I asked him questions about the movie. That's how junkets work. Uh, although I think I've, I've earned my uh, fill at getting at least 10 minutes. <laughs> Just kidding. Everybody had the same amount of time. It's fine. I love junkets. <laughs> uh, Mr. Monk's last ca- last case of Monk movie uh, is based on the show. It's critically acclaimed fan favorite USA comedy starring Tony Shalhoub. Uh, Monk returns for one last one last case, and it's very personal. And it's involving the his uh, stepdaughter Molly. A journalist preparing for a wedding. Now, I've I've seen I've seen the movie. I enjoyed my time with it. I have, uh, you know, I've I'm. Uh, this is the way I also told them. I, I was in the I'm in the monk world because uh, my mom loves monk, and uh, uh, it's. I told them a very not interesting story, and they they seem to uh, tolerate it. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I but I know enough. I know enough of the monk world. In order to uh, to to get into it, I mean to get into this movie, uh, and I gotta tell you, even if I didn't know anything, it's a good, it's a good movie. I enjoyed my time with it. Um, uh, I, uh, there were winks and nods to the show. A lot of, a lot of the main cast came back, but not not everybody. Let's say, but a lot of it did. It was it is it is enjoyable, um, and it was very sentimental. I'll tell you that much. Check out this interview. Uh, watch um, uh, Mr. Monk's Last Case, a, monk's, a Monk movie over there on Peacock. Watch Monk over there on Peacock as well. And we'll get to the rest of this episode right after the interview, which is coming up next. Uh, this is what I'm hinting at. <laughs> if you want to watch the video version uh, of, the, of the interview, it's, it's called The Interviews. It's on YouTube.com slash Comedy. And you can watch a whole playlist as well as this interview. But right now, you can watch this. They don't have any social, so I'm not going to promote that. All right, here we go. Uh, We'll be back in a second. All right, and we are finally back. My God, that seven minutes was interminable. Every time uh, the deep-voiced boy was talking, 
was like, who is this child? Boy. That's how um, Kratos does it on God of War. Come here, boy. <laughs> About his own son. But I get it because uh, that's what my mom called me. And if you watch the interview, she also called me Mr. Monk. But uh, it was also called Boy. Boy. All right. Uh, I, re- I need to get into this uh, before um, uh, my head blows off. I wanted to skip ahead to, there's a very big story that literally happened at the last possible second this week. Um, but I want to get, well, I'll just, I'll just knock out these two, the, the two, three smaller stories up front. Okay. So this uh, comes from the Hollywood reporter written by Rick Porter, Rick Porter at the Hollywood reporter, Netflix's viewership data drove trove, excuse me. I never say dot in my life. You just say data trove cracks open the doors for agents too. If you don't remember, Netflix released its uh, entire viewership, not entire, the the viewing data for for, uh, shows and movies for the first half of the year. It released it last week. And uh, finally, we get a sense of, and, and the people who make these shows and movies get a sense of how well their show or movie did, how well The Night Agent did, which won everything. How well, uh, how well things that aren't owned by Netflix that are just acquired, like suits, how, how much they're tracking. So it's huge. It drew from at least 50,000 hours of viewing worldwide between January and June of 2023. Now, the data uh, doesn't have a lot for talent at the moment. But, according to Mr. Porter, Multiple agents said it can provide key context to what Netflix does share with creators. The streamer shares seven and 28-day performance metrics with creators and producers, but not only for their own work. Although the numbers of Netflix released cover a much longer period, six months, they for the first time show how titles compare to one another beyond the weekly top 10 lists that are on that um, Netflix top 10 website. Take a look at Kaleidoscope, which had a huge opening week in January with 112.3 million hours of viewing, but faded relatively soon after that, leaving the top 10 after four weeks in just under 194 million hours of watch time. But it added 58.5 million hours of viewing and uh, ranks 12 on the six-month list because that means it builds up over time. One of the frustrations showrunners and producers of streaming service uh, series rather, and movies have noted is that even when they're given data about their own project, going back to data, it's difficult to suss out what it means with no points of comparison. Sarandos called that himself. He's the CEO, Ted Sarandos of uh, Netflix, said it was an atmosphere of mistrust. So now that these agents have a way to understand how their clients compare to others. Now it's, now it's going to be easier for them to maybe shop or sell their clients work. It's a good key negotiating point for the writers and for the actors. 
Another agent notes that with comparisons now more available, it also might make breaking bad news to a client easier if their Netflix project underperforms. Okay, well. Now let's not let's keep in mind data that Netflix uh, this data isn't it's not always viewer metrics on whether a show lives or dies because how many how many times has a show been in the zeitgeist and and not just Netflix but Hulu or uh, Disney Plus any one of these streamers they'll cancel it you have to have the good balance of talking about it, people talking about it and and the viewership. And also, as we learn in terms of uh, Lovecraft Country, I know I know the the one of the leads of that show is now in big trouble. <laughs> but as we know, in in terms of that, you have to have more beyond that initial pitch of the original series. You have to have a good plan for the rest of the series, and also not be a a, a total turd when running the show. Who else is in Lovecraft Country? Because. Uh, Boy, oh boy, if the creator of the show and the lead of the show both were in trouble in separate instances <laughs> for separate things, then maybe that's saying something about that show. Now all we have to do is get Nielsen ratings in there, and uh, that'll be great to see. Now let's move on. I want to go on to this uh, again from The Hollywood Reporter, written by Rick Porter. Streaming giants weigh costs of big licensed TV and movie libraries. Now, as we know, as I just mentioned, a show like Suits performs really well on Netflix. And that and it was performing well before Meghan Markle started dating Harry. And then after they got married and every time they have a child, the show just seemingly increases. But it costs a lot of money to have that. It costs a lot of money for, I believe, Hulu has Seinfeld. It costs a lot of money for Warner to have South Park and Friends, one of those shows it owns. There's tax write-offs for shows and movies. Uh, we've got Max removing shows that it owned, Westworld, um, Raised by Wolves. I meant to watch that show before my contract ended at Warner Brothers because I have a screeners app and uh, I do not have access to it anymore, unfortunately. Uh, Disney and Hulu got rid of shows. Disney Plus and Hulu got rid of shows. Uh, Willow and Why the Last Man. Speaking of shows that did well critically but didn't have the audience. Streamers are, uh, perception is showing, Porter writes, is that uh, streamers are ruthlessly paring back the numbers of movies and series available to users and at the same time raising subscription prices. Yes, but the data doesn't back that up. Among the seven biggest subscription video on-demand services, only one, Prime Video, has seen its over, overall catalog shrink between January 2021 and October 2023. Hmm. Netflix, Peacock, Hulu, Max, Disney Plus, and Paramount Plus all have net gains to their libraries over that time period. Even though Paramount Plus uh, did lead, I believe I did a story last week, that uh, it, it let go of like 1,400 movies. And Max dropped a bunch of movies. And Paramount, uh, Disney Plus did the same thing. But what it, it, it costs money to not only acquire that stuff, but to keep up the licenses to have it 
continually stay on your platform. Look at uh, 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 the Hunger Games movies. Those bounce around all the time. And that's owned by Lionsgate, I believe. They go from Peacock to Hulu to Max to Amazon to uh, Freebie to Tubi. And, they, and they're, 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 they're going around in places all the time. I know because they always end up on my list. And I go, I want to rewatch them. I was in the, I, I'm in the middle of rewatch. I'll watch the last two. Mockingjay, Mockingjay Board 2 at some point. Just did Catching Fire. And I catch fire to the rain. It's almost a parody. God, that would be such a great title for this episode if it wasn't Tony Julie Breckman. There's a business between uh, selling ads on a show, excuse me, uh, on a platform with uh, 2B, Roku Channel, and Pluto TV. And they have their own um, libraries. And the libraries are, are sizable compared to others. It kind of feels like... Um, it feels like syndication, you know. You see a show like The Goldbergs or Big Bang Theory, and they're and they're on, you know, seven different networks now, or Modern Family. Even though they all started on broadcast, but they they met these hundred episode requirements and then sold off the syndication rights, and they get to watch them all over the place. But it still costs money to have all that stuff. And quite frankly, I thought this article was going to have the numbers, but it does not. <laughs> so, anyway, it, uh, it was a good thing to know. All right. Uh, this one come from, comes from Deadline. This came out just today. And it, it will lead into another story. Lionsgate Studios to become a new special, uh, excuse me, a new public company splitting with stars in a SPAC deal. Now, if you remember, we've done, we talked about st- uh, SPACs before. It's being spun off. Warner Brothers. Uh, 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 was a SPAC? Yeah, for for a uh, couple of, I think a, a year or two now, Lionsgate was ready to part with Stars. Was Warner Brothers a SPAC? I'm trying to think. There was a company that was spun off. I think it was Warner Brothers. So that in order for um. Uh, discovery to buy it. I don't remember. There's too much stuff going on in my head. Okay. So, Lionsgate is going to split with stars. And, uh, the, the studios, it's got the TV studio, motion picture group and film and television libraries will merge with Screaming Eagle Acquisition Corp, a special acquisition, a special purpose acquisition company led by Eli Baker. They value Lionsgate Studios, this new venture, as four point, at $4.6 billion. Lionsgate gonna, it will clear the $350 million in proceeds from the deal to use for paying down debt and strategic initiatives like um, like E1, and I believe E1 
is a studio that uh, did um, the Power Rangers movie, the most recent one, I think. <laughs> Why is that the thing I'm thinking of? Uh, it's going to create what for Lionsgate Studios, one of the biggest global peer play, publicly traded content companies, and potentially an attractive acquisition target set to add more fuel to media M&A clatter, chatter, excuse me. Again, Lionsgate owns Hunger Games, which I just talked about, John Wick, Twilight, Ghosts. They have a robust in film, television, television and film production and distribution business, a leading talent management and production company, and large film and television library that throws off significant cash. Part of their money has been coming from, uh, uh, again, going to different um, streamers and saying, hey, take the Kyron Games, take Twilight, take whatever. But they can't operate by themselves. They can't operate alone. They're going to need somebody to come in and just kind of hold their hands. And say, hey, we're in charge. They just had a good showing at the box office with uh, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the Hunger Games prequel. And uh, in fact, they had a good year at the box office overall. Lionsgate Studios does not include stars, and the platform will continue to be wholly owned by parent Lionsgate. Lionsgate believes the split improves, quote, strategic optionality for stars as well as Lionsgate Studios. Do, is stars a hot commodity in and of itself? What does it, because I know they just had a, not a rebrand, but they just had a redesign on the app. Does it elicit, they obviously see something in the Lionsgate brand, but does is stars going to be able to stay afloat separate from the Lionsgate studios? Now, the thing is, this isn't the only big name thing to happen. Sorry, I'm copying and looking for something. Uh, this isn't the only big name thing to happen. This past week, it was announced that Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global are in talks for a merger. This comes from Todd Spangler and Jennifer Moss at Variety. It was broken on Axios first. Let me, let me say that. Uh, from Sarah Fisher. Now, apparently, it was just a preliminary thing. Uh, David Zaslov went over to, they were in New York, spoke to Sherry Redstone, who owns Paramount's parent company, about a deal. WBD's market value was around $29 billion as of Wednesday, while Paramount's was just over $10 billion. So uh, a merger there would definitely put uh, WBD on top, even though that their numbers don't look very hot if you look at any version of the stock market. Uh, it, this, is, it, this is interesting noting that uh, just even a couple of weeks ago, Paramount was talking about yeah, Bob Backish was talking. The the CEO of uh, Paramount was like, "Hey, uh, we should do something. To, uh, maybe maybe we sell things off." <laughs> you know, earlier this year. Um, oh God, what is his name? I used to work. I used to work at his company. I can see his face. Uh, Byron Brown. That's it, right? Is that his name? Byron Allen. <laughs> Same thing. 
Byron Allen, uh, when this, like literally the same day that this story uh, broke, he again, just as a couple of months ago, offered money for um, BET. And I think he offered uh, $3.5 billion. Now at the meeting between David Zaslov and uh, uh, Bob Backish, Oh, I thought he went to speak to Sherry. He spoke to Sherry. Zazov spoke to Sherry Redstone, but he had a meeting with Bob Backish. It lasted several hours. We're coming off a strike. <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, the meeting, the guys discussed uh, how they could complement one another and uh, uh, how they could merge the streaming apps. Now, it's, it's an interesting to note that CBS All Access, which was the uh, what Paramount Plus was prior to this, uh, was a very profitable app. In fact, it was like one of the fastest growing apps in, uh, at the time. And I don't understand uh, how, how it came to a point where Paramount Plus is now very broken. Because CBS All Access wasn't a very good app. But uh, how Paramount Plus is... is broken in a lot of ways um, where ads will play over some people who have uh, 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 an ad free thing or I know if I, I have the ad free I know that if I play uh, an episode of whatever and they do the pre-roll which is fine I don't care about a 30 second pre-roll but sometimes that just won't show up it'll be like if I'm turning on Survivor uh, and then it'll, it'll first of all sometimes show a pre-roll for Survivor but it'll do like a pre-roll for a different show a Paramount Plus show or a CBS show. And uh, it'll just be a completely black screen with only the timer for the 30-second ad up in the corner, which is so crazy to me. Or uh, episodes just won't play. Or uh, shows with long seasons, uh, with a lot of seasons, Survivor, Amazing Race, it won't, it'll start all the way at the top and then you have to scroll to the bottom. and It's just, it's just a broken app. It is unclear... There's there's no end to who would purchase who. Would WBD buy Paramount Global or just the Paramount co- uh, the parent company? What's going to happen? How are they going to fund this? Just got a tax break from uh, not putting up Batgirl. Now I'm 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 back to the uh, I'm I'm switching back and forth between all the uh, the stories, but. Um, Here's the, from the Axios story. Here's some synergies for them. CBS News could be combined with CNN to create a global news powerhouse. CBS's crime dramas such as NCIS and Criminal Minds will be combined with uh, Investigation, Discovery, and True TV. We'll get to the cable stuff in a second. WBD could use its international distribution footprint to boost Paramount's franchises, while Paramount's children's programming assets could be essential to WBD's long-term streaming ambitions. CBS Sports footprint could be combined with WBD's. For example, CBS and WBD's Turner Sports currently share TV rights for March Madness. All right. This, uh, let's see. I'm, cl- I'm, I'm skipping about two stories ahead. Now, this comes from Variety, written by Jennifer Moss. What would, what would Warner Bros. Discovery Paramount merger mean for cable TV? Some networks would likely have to be sold off. Now, 
WBD is home to Food Network, HGTV, TLC, TBS, TNT, Cartoon Network, and Adult Swim, Discovery, Animal Planet, CNN, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, True TV, ID, Own, and that's and that's just like some. There's also ones that they bought that live in deep cable or free streaming, such as uh, the Magnolia Network that comes from Chip and Joanna Gaines. Paramount, their cable channels include the ought-to-be-sold BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV, VH1, Paramount Network, CMT, and others. In terms of streaming, there's Max, there's Paramount+, and there's Pluto, which is also owned by Paramount. The companies would own about 40% of linear television time, which is huge. I mean, in the past, that would have been gigantic. But now that's like still, it's still big. But it wouldn't make sense for Warner Brothers to buy everything outright. They'd have to... They would, they would I, I mean... You know, and just you know, just going off of speculation, they would ha- they'd keep CBS obviously, but they would probably get rid of VH1, uh, and M- I mean, and with that comes MTV. They have no use for either of those. Um, I don't know what would happen to Comedy Central, and BET would most likely be sold off. But there's not going to be any high bidders for MTV and VH1. But uh, analysts at Moffat 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 Nathanson. Say that a target, a, a likely target would have to be uh, a Fox. Fox mostly because of uh, uh, Tubi, which is the leading um, uh, free ad-supported streaming service. Uh, NFL. And other things. And not Fox, like t- Disney's 20th Century Fox. They mean Fox Corp. And that's how, and that's how, uh, more or less, the uh, the cable side would be pushed. But right now, the industry is kind of like, why would you do this? This comes from Jill Goldsmith, Anthony D. De- Alessandro, Dade Hayes, and Dominic Patton at Deadline. And I love the headline. Why would any company want to try to catch a falling knife? A quote from the headline, excuse me. Paramount is 40% below its 52-week high, and WBD has lost more than half of its value since April 2022, which is when the close of the Warner Media Discovery merger. You see how the stock, you see how, like, the, how Warner Media's just name went down in the mud because of Discovery? And it, I mean, I... And as much I enjoy, I enjoy working for the company, uh, and I think Max, stupid name, is a good product. But combining it with this reality show hoo-ha and getting rid of HBO stuff, uh, and getting rid of the HBO name, and, and getting rid of shows and movies just puts it in such a bad... It really waters down the name. And... With with a merger with uh, Warner Mount, Warner Bros, Warner Discovery Mount. Uh, you know Paramount is a very that has a name in itself, but 
I, I guess it doesn't have this hold the same type of power as uh, as a Warner, as a Sony, as a Disney, as a Netflix. But it's still one of the oldest studios. I just I don't see why this has to has to be like this. I don't see why these these mergers have to. I, first, I don't think the merger is going to go through. But I don't see why the merger has to has to be the key. Haven't we haven't we already come to the conclusion that you don't have to own everything? You just have to put your stuff enough somewhere to make the money? Because they're never going to catch up to Netflix. No streaming platform is ever going to catch up to Netflix. No music streaming platform is going to have the same name the name recognition as uh, I'm just trying to get away from name recognition. Name recognition as Spotify. I think people are already set in their ways, especially when it comes to these streamers. No, no one's going to come out and like, if you don't have max right now, or if you don't have paramount plus right now, no one's going to go, I have to get this right. Like, like, like it's not going to change anything. People jump on and off things all the time, but how are you going to, you're not going to be in the rotation. Streaming platforms swim in red ink and legacy media assets, mainly later TV, are eroding. Yes, Zaslav has hinted at opportunities to be had, but WBD has not really considered considered a buyer given its oft-stated focus on reducing its enormous debt. Now, again, Discovery just bought Warner Brothers. But more talks have been had about, hey, maybe they should sell that off because it's not because they can't get rid of this debt. City analyst Jason Bazinet told Deadline he sees the a little upside of the combination. Investors, quote, watch CBS and Viacom merge. Yes. And that was a couple of years ago. And they watched Disney and Fox merge. And they watched Disney, a discovery by Scripps and merge with Warner Bros. Uh, discovery with Warner Bros. And uh, none of these were the elixir that allowed you to generate a huge amount of cash flow. Buying something doesn't necessitate that you make more money from it. Robert Fishman, an analyst with Moffat Nathanson, also threw shade on the punitive merger and a note to clients this morning emphasizing, quote, the increasing sense of desperation around media. He wondered why, quote, any company would try to catch a falling knife. What is the rush with the likelihood of waiting for even for an even cheaper price if a real advertising recession transpires? How long did it take for Warner and Discovery to merge? It took like what, two years? It took Disney like uh, around the same amount of time? Paramount Plus has 63 million subscribers. They still lose money. To save costs, it might shut down. It could shut down. And maybe move things over uh, to Max. Warner Brothers could build up its IP with Star Trek, NCIS, Ghosts, The Big Bang Theory, which already airs nonstop on TBS. Warner Bros. TV would, uh, Warner Brothers would have a, a basic cable, excuse me, a basic, a basic 
a broadcast network in CBS. It owns half of the CW at one point, but it sold it off. One possible scenario circulated suggests that WBD could sell the Paramount Movie Studio to David Ellison, the Skydance CEO, who is said to be pursuing Paramount, and already owns co-owns some of the studio's biggest film franchises. CBS Studios could then be tossed into WBD, WBTV, excuse me, divest most of Paramount's cable networks. So, get rid of them. But it doesn't want to split IP like Star Trek with film going to Skydance TV. Uh, film going to Skydance and TV to Warner Bros. TV. That wouldn't make sense. And they wouldn't do that. A unified Warner Bros. and Paramount would bring together the former DC Studios brand with the process of being revamped, which is now being revamped. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I was going. And then Paramount's also the home to uh, Mission Impossible, Top Gun, things of that nature. Along with uh, the kids' side, Looney Tunes would be joined, and Harry Potter would be joined by uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Loud House, all that crap, SpongeBob. And then, of course, there's the FTC, which was already on the brink of not allowing this to happen. <laughs> WBD actually did hire bankers to look at Paramount. That's uh, stupid. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I'm not a fan. This uh, last one comes from Cynthia Littleton. The burning questions surrounding the early Warner Bros. Discovery Paramount Global merger. How much is Paramount worth? $10.3 billion. That's less than half of the $30 billion that the company put up for its valuation after its last big corporate transaction when it remerged with CBS in 2019. Would Paramount, Pictures, and Warner Brothers remain separate or would they combine? They'd both be alive, it looks like. A theory, but to combine as much administrative infrastructure operations as possible. I don't know why it's so difficult for these companies to run each other, like to run, period. Like, what makes it like it's like besides box office numbers and besides money and stuff, why is it so difficult for something as storied as Paramount? to not be able to stay afloat. Yeah, I mean, franchises are the things that people are into right now. And, you know, let's look at the superhero stuff, but that's mostly because you put that in their heads. Like, wouldn't it make sense to try a lot of things and then actually find what sticks instead of going with the same thing over and over again. Especially when, I mean, you don't have to give something a lot of money. There's plenty of indie movies that work that you could turn into bigger stories. 
like let's say you give I don't know uh, Creep Creep is a good movie it's a good horror movie and it looks like it was made uh, for you know Jack Piss but Mark Duplass made that movie and then it was good enough to spawn a sequel Creep 2 But that original movie did so well that it just that it came out with a sequel, and that's a and that was a Netflix original, I believe. And look at the look at the production companies attached to it. Hold on, I don't know if the first one was a Netflix original. Uh, no, the first one was not a Netflix original one, and then the second one because the first one was such a, 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 a indie darling that it became one. Yeah, it became a Netflix original. But look at the production companies for the second one. Bloomhouse, Netflix. It is distributed by Orchard in the United States. So wouldn't it make sense to try something new? I mean, because but now because now we're at a point where it feels like we're at a point where uh, for all these companies that they're they're in crunch mode. They're getting ready for the finals. Getting ready for the for the last test you know, before summer break or school or winter break and their grades are bad. And if they don't do well in the next semester or on this test, they're not going to do well in the next semester and they're going to be kicked out of school. It feels like you're, they're all coming into it at the last possible second. Whereas they were doing the same things over and over and over again. And now they're trying to play catch up and it's really showing like how like this is why this is exactly like this is this is what it feels like for me at least uh it's it feels like this is why the uh, uh Marvel movies the last you know 15 hadn't worked I don't know I'm just saying a number the last like four or five hadn't worked in theaters because it's the same formula over and over again same thing for elemental you know coming out of the pandemic Disney movies just seem the same. And yeah, you can say, hey, well, there's it's eventually going to come Disney Plus anyway. But I wanted to see Elemental in theaters. I just didn't have a chance to. It was working. The worst possible schedule in the world. Uh, and but 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 when you eventually when you do see it, it's all the same story over and over again. Maybe that's another maybe that's another topic because it just seems like the people of color that finally got a chance to tell a story are telling the same story that Pixar has been telling because that's the way Pixar does his things. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of this. I think Paramount should find a way to run on its own. We don't need any more mergers. We're already in this bloated space. I mean, this is why I buy things physically and digitally because I just don't want to be beholden to not being able to watch, you know, New Girl when I want to. Oh, it's on Peacock. Okay, well, now it's on the streaming service I don't have. Okay, well, now it's on Hulu. Catch a good deal on things. I got a deal on Night Court. Oh, my God, Night Court. I got the entire series for 20 bucks on iTunes. You better believe it. I haven't seen a second of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown, but... When that was $10 on iTunes, the entire series, I bought it. Should have bought West Wing. I couldn't know.
Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where I talk to famous people like Tony Shalhoub and Andy Breckman. Uh, you can uh, watch a video version of this show on youtube.com slash cpluscomedy, as well as video versions of the other podcast, LinkedIn Logs, which is the job podcast, and Late Night Lately, which I'll record after this, and which will be going on a break for a little bit because there will be no late night. News time is coming back. A couple of weeks. Just give me time. I have to make new theme songs because I did not make the original theme song. And I'm tired of getting copyright stricken. Strike it. Strike it. Same thing for this show. I got to make a new theme song. Uh, so maybe this is the last time you hear this theme song. <laughs> it might be. It might be. It might be. We'll see. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Seaplus Comedy, me, at Chad Black White. Thank you for listening. Uh, and if I come back next week, I come back. And if not, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Bye.